This is section 10 of Mark Twain, a biography. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, a biography by Albert Bigelow Payne. Volume 1, Part 1, 1835 to 1866. Chapter 10 Early Vicissitude and Sorrow. Read by John Greenman. Prosperity came laggingly enough to the Clemens household. The year 1840 brought hard times. The business venture paid little or no return. Law practice was not much more remunerative. Judge Clemens ran for the office of Justice of the Peace and was elected, but fees were neither large nor frequent. By the end of the year it became necessary to part with Jenny, the slave girl, a grief to all of them, for they were fond of her in spite of her willfulness, and she regarded them as her family. She was tall, well-formed, nearly black, and brought a good price. A Methodist minister in Hannibal sold a negro child at the same time to another minister who took it to his home farther south. As the steamboat moved away from the landing, the child's mother stood at the water's edge, shrieking her anguish. We are prone to consider these things harshly now, when slavery has been dead for nearly half a century. But it was a sacred institution then, and to sell a child from its mother was little more than to sell today a calf from its lowing dam. One could be sorry, of course, in both instances, but necessity or convenience are matters usually considered before sentiment. Mark Twain once said of his mother, "'Kind-hearted and compassionate as she was, I think she was not conscious that slavery was a bald, grotesque, and unwarranted usurpation. She had never heard it assailed in any pulpit, but had heard it defended and sanctified in a thousand. As far as her experience went, the wise, the good, and the holy were unanimous in the belief that slavery was right righteous, sacred, the peculiar pet of the deity, and a condition which the slave himself ought to be daily and nightly thankful for. Yet Jane Clemens must have had qualms at times, vague, unassembled doubts that troubled her spirit. After Jenny was gone a little black chore-boy was hired from his owner, who had bought him on the east shore of Maryland, and brought him to that remote western village far from family and friends. He was a cheery spirit in spite of that, and gentle, but very noisy. All day he went about singing, whistling, and whooping until his noise became monotonous, maddening. One day little Sam said, Ma—that was the southern term—make Sandy stop singing all the time, it's awful! tears suddenly came into his mother's eyes. Poor thing! He is sold away from his home. When he sings it shows maybe he is not remembering. When he's still, I am afraid he is thinking, and I can't bear it. Yet anyone in that day who advanced the idea of freeing the slaves was held in abhorrence. An abolitionist was something to despise, to stone out of the community. The children held the name in horror, as belonging to something less than human, something with claws, perhaps, and a tail. 
the money received for the sale of jenny made judge clemens easier for a time business appears to have improved too and he was tided through another year during which he seems to have made payments on an expensive piece of real estate on hill and main streets this property acquired in november eighteen thirty nine meant the payment of some seven thousand dollars and was a credit purchase beyond doubt it was well rented but the tenants did not always pay and presently a crisis came a descent of creditors and john clemens at forty-four found himself without business and without means he offered everything his cow his household furniture even his forks and spoons to his creditors who protested that he must not strip himself they assured him that they admired his integrity so much they would aid him to resume business but when he went to st louis to lay in a stock of goods he was coldly met and the venture came to nothing he now made a trip to tennessee in the hope of collecting some old debts and to raise money on the tennessee land he took along a negro man named charlie whom he probably picked up for a small sum hoping to make something through his disposal in a better market the trip was another failure the man who owed him a considerable sum of money was solvent but pleaded hard times it seems so very hard upon him john clemens wrote home to pay such a sum that i could not have the conscience to hold him to it i still have charlie the highest price i had offered for him in new orleans was fifty dollars in vicksburg forty dollars after performing the journey to tennessee i expect to sell him for whatever he will bring i do not know what i can commence for a business in the spring my brain is constantly on the rack with the study and i can't relieve myself of it the future taking its completion from the state of my health or mind is alternately beaming in sunshine or overshadowed with clouds but mostly cloudy as you may suppose i want bodily exercise some constant and active employment in the first place and in the next place i want to be paid for it if possible this letter is dated january seventh eighteen forty two he returned without any financial success and obtained employment for a time in a commission house on the levee the proprietor found some fault one day and judge clemens walked out of the premises on his way home he stopped in a general store kept by a man named selms to make some purchases when he asked that these be placed on account selms hesitated judge clemens laid down a five-dollar gold piece the last money he possessed in the world took the goods and never entered the place again when jane clemens reproached him for having made the trip to tennessee at a cost of two hundred dollars so badly needed at this time he only replied gently that he had gone for what he believed to be the best i am not able to dig in the streets he added and orion who records this adds i can see yet the hopeless expression of his face during a former period of depression such as this death had come into the clemens home it came again now little benjamin a sensitive amiable boy of ten one day sickened and died within a week may twelfth eighteen forty two he was a favorite child and his death was a terrible blow little sam long remembered the picture of his parents grief 
and orion recalls that they kissed each other something hitherto unknown judge clemens went back to his law and judicial practice mrs clemens decided to take a few boarders orion by this time seventeen and a very good journeyman printer obtained a place in st louis to aid in the family support the tide of fortune having touched low water mark the usual gentle stage of improvement set in times grew better in hannibal after those first two or three years legal fees became larger and more frequent within another two years judge clemens appears to have been in fairly hopeful circumstances again able at least to invest some money in silkworm culture and lose it also to buy a piano for pamela and to build a modest house on the hill street property which a rich st louis cousin james clemens had preserved for him it was the house which is known to-day as the mark twain home this house in nineteen eleven was bought by mr and mrs george a mahan and presented to hannibal for a memorial museum near it toward the corner of main street was his office and here he dispensed law and justice in a manner which if it did not bring him affluence at least won for him the respect of the entire community one example will serve next to his office was a stone-cutter's shop one day the proprietor dave atkinson got into a muss with one fighting macdonald and there was a tremendous racket judge clemens ran out and found the men down punishing each other on the pavement i command the peace he shouted as he came up to them no one paid the least attention i command the peace he shouted again still louder but with no result a stone-cutter's mallet lay there handy judge clemens seized it and leaning over the combatants gave the upper one macdonald a smart blow on the head i command the peace he said for the third time and struck a considerable smarter blow that settled it the second blow was of the sort that made macdonald roll over and peace ensued judge clemens hailed both men into his court fined them and collected his fee such enterprise in the cause of justice deserved prompt reward end of chapter ten early vicissitude and sorrow read by john greenman